Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here today with Anthony Lynch to talk about his book, No Limits, How to Build an Unstoppable Mindset. Anthony is a peak performance specialist who focuses on the development of physical, mental, and financial excellence. We're going to be speaking with Anthony today about how to help your teenager develop a better mindset, an unstoppable mindset. So often, teenagers get stuck in this really limited way of thinking, a limited view of who they are, what their potential is, or what they can do with their life. And a lot of what we talk about on the show is how to break them out of that, how to help them see more options and more possibilities for just who they can be, where they can go, what they can do with their life. And this book is about how to develop what Anthony refers to as a limitless approach to life. And we're going to really break down what the aspects are of that type of mindset and how you can work on those with your teenager. Really looking forward to diving deep into all of that today with Anthony here on the show. Anthony, thank you so much for making the time to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate uh, talk about the book, of course, but uh, just to engage in good conversation. Yeah, well, I can't guarantee that, but we will talk about the book. <laughs> and the book is called No Limits, How to Build an Unstoppable Mindset. Can you explain to me what inspired the book? And it's not your first book, so this is a thing you do. Where did this idea come from and, and what led to the creation of this book? I've always been the type that's wanted to challenge myself and find new ways to get things done, not be content to say no to things or run from challenges. And the thing that struck me, I was reading a book uh, maybe two or so years back about the legal battle that went on between Peter Thiel and Peter Thiel. Yeah. Gawker, uh, the media behemoth that was dominating at the time. And one thing that struck me in the book was the insight into Teal's mind about how he had what he considered a high agency mindset. One that I guess when somebody tells you something's impossible, how do you react? Are you the type that says you're right, that can't be done? Or are you the type that um, resists that, fights it, wants to prove that it is possible? Mm. I think having that kind of mindset is what separates a lot of people that are really successful from the people that ultimately don't want to try very hard. And I've always had that kind of mindset. And I guess the way I approached this book was, what are some of the things that I've learned or utilized in my lifetime that have helped me develop that light, that mindset that I can use to approach challenges and new opportunities to succeed? So you have a similar high agency mindset 
I believe so. And when they keyed in on that, I mean, that, that really struck me as something that I feel like I've had. And it's been a big part in the reason I've been successful in business and life and those type of things. So I think it's really important that if people develop this, especially children, teenagers, young adults, getting that kind of mindset is what really is going to be important as they move forward in life, because we all face different challenges, right? And the type of people that stand up to those and overcome those that develop that mental toughness to push through difficult situations, they ultimately go farther than ones that give up or make excuses or just don't want to try very hard. So what's hard about this? How come we so often get stuck in the opposite or a a low agency mindset? What kind of holds us back from this way of thinking and approaching challenges that Peter Thiel's exemplifying? There's several things. I mean, the first being fear. It's very natural to fear the unknown, fear uh, things that look intimidating, things that scare all of us, right? I mean, even I I was telling you, this is the first time I've done something like this. So I go into this with a little trepidation of how do I best get my ideas out there? And Mm. it's something if you don't put yourself up to that challenge, you're never going to know how you get through it. So I think fear is a main driver of these type of things. But there's also people that just don't have clarity about the kind of things that they want to do or accomplish, or maybe they are just not passionate uh, about those type of things. So finding the right things you're passionate about is going to be able to push you to be able to get through more difficult situations. But maybe somebody that is not really engaged or passionate about something is going to give up much easier in those cases. Well, I definitely think these are things that a lot of teenagers are dealing with, dealing bored, disengaged, frustrated, not sure where you're going, not motivated. And a lot of what you talk about in the book is kind of developing clarity and getting a more solid idea of where you're heading. And I think that's helpful because it's easy to say, oh, well, hey, we need more grit. We need more perseverance. Um, But like, well, what is beneath that, you know, and what are you persevering towards? What are you pushing yourself in what direction, I think is really important and um, is kind of the first step. Absolutely. And I think from a parent's perspective, I mean, you, you can give your children a lot of things growing up, love and attention, all those kind of things. But I think also giving them just more challenges or things that help grow them and help build up resiliency, right? I mean, I I think one of the quotes I have in the book talks about the famous rock climber, Tommy Caldwell, who overcame all these personal challenges and physical challenges to be the first one that climbed the Dawn Wall in Yosemite. And he talked about a big part of his upbringing was his father, as a child, put him through very progressively more difficult physical adventures and camping and taking them out in the wilderness and things like that to toughen him up, but also at the same time to help him learn to deal with difficult situations, adversity, uh, and those things grow you, right? I mean, we don't want to cuddle our kids, right, to the point where they never face those challenges once they're off on their own. So I think important thing for parents is to find ways to continually challenge your child, but at the same time, you want to support them through those things and encourage them, but uh, also push them, help them to grow so that they have those life skills as they 
go off into the wilderness themselves that they are equipped to deal with those kind of things. Yeah, like finding some challenges that inspire your teenager, I think are so important. And I really feel like it doesn't matter that much what they are. You know, it's like we look back on our teenage years and it was like, so, you know, you're so motivated to win some athletic tournament or, you know, the battle of the bands or whatever it was that you were like into that, you know, we set these kind of goals for ourselves that inspire us. And in a lot of sense, you know, it's not necessarily they're going to be doing that same thing 10 years from now or 20 years from now, but just that there's something so important about creating those challenges for yourself and going for it. And so much learning and, and self growth that happens as you actually set out to do something like that. If you think about things in your life that maybe that you haven't done or failed to step up and try, I mean, yeah. when you live with these kind of regrets, I mean, those are things, you don't get those opportunities back sometimes. And I think taking action and at least attempting something, whether you succeed or fail at it, I think the value comes from the experience of it, right? And yeah. learning is not just about being successful, right? I mean, oftentimes I know for myself that, the biggest lessons I've learned have come from failure. So when you fail at something, you try to learn those lessons that failure taught you, right? So you can apply things differently in the future. Even when we do have a goal, you point out, there's still uncertainty can lead to excuses. If we don't have the experience to be able to give us confidence that we're going to be able to do something, then we can kind of jump to conclusions or make faulty assumptions that sort of stop us or we talk ourselves out of like pushing onwards sometimes. I think if you listen to that voice inside you that tells you you can't, it's often right. If you if you listen to that voice, you, you have to reinforce the belief in yourself that anything is possible if you apply yourself to it. And sometimes it's a matter of like, if it's a really daunting challenge, it's not just looking at it as that overwhelming thing to take on, but maybe try to break it down into a series of smaller problems to solve one at a time so that you can work your way up to that bigger challenge, right? So maybe taking something that's big and breaking it apart into pieces helps. You write about how actually there's this link between mental and physical toughness and that we can develop a lot of mental toughness by working on physical toughness. What makes you say that? Why do you think that? And how does that look? I think when you look at things like the Navy SEALs, for example, they're renowned for being the best of the best in, in terms yeah. of uh, military soldiers, uh, high performers, that type of thing. Yeah, some toughness. Yeah. A big part of that is developing that mental toughness that they go through. Yeah. It's putting themselves through an increasingly difficult set of physical endurance tests that really push them to a limit where those that can't hang, they break, right? And uh, they, they yeah. don't stand it. And so it's the ones that ultimately continue to work through those 
challenges get to the point of being successful. I mean, the tests they use are a way to weed out the, the ones that are not mentally strong, right? The ones that you're not going to be able to depend on in a battle or in a difficult situation. And I think the different kind of things they do, whether it's uh, a multitude of sit-ups, push-ups, running, swimming, all, all these things yeah. that they, they put people through works to strengthen you. And I think the stronger your body gets, the more confident you become inside, right? I mean, you feel like you're capable of taking on more challenges. So I think uh, with every challenge you get, you level up in a way that you're, you're ready for the next one. And you, you feel like, hey, I've already conquered these three steps behind me. What's another three or four steps ahead going to look like? And you, you, you gain confidence as you gain strength. Yeah. Studying like Navy SEALs, one of the things that struck me was one of the commanders who was talking about the fact that when you look at Olympic medal athletes, yeah. um, the difference between the gold medalists and other competitors, I mean, it's a very small field, but a big part of it is the mental ability of, of that athlete. And the elite athletes are the ones that know how to use information best and separate it from the competition that they're going up against. And I think it's the same thing with these SEALs, right? Like the more physical information and mental information you can combine into your hardware and software, the more successful you're going to be as an individual. What do you say to a teenager who really doesn't seem to be interested in physical toughness and is really happy to have their majority of physical activity involve their thumb swiping on a smartphone and doesn't seem super motivated to, to push their body and mind to a really difficult place. I'm someone that grew up playing a lot of video games myself, so All right. uh, yeah. I could definitely relate to, to that part of it too. But totally. I think when you look at the various types of physical activities out, find the right one for you. Not everyone has to play a football or a baseball or basketball. You can do something yeah. that's uh, solo gear, like whether it's swimming or it's rock climbing or just taking that time to be active. I think there's real value that comes in getting up and moving and just what it does for your brain. The better you feel, the better you're going to perform, right? And I think if you're sitting a lot, if you lead a sedentary lifestyle that you're not getting a lot of physical activity, you're just not going to be very healthy overall. And it, it does contribute to your mood. I think the more active that you get up and be, I, not to say everyone has to compete in a certain type of thing, but just find some form of physical activity that stimulates your body, your mind, and gets those chemicals inside your body working uh, to, to gear you uh, towards a, a better mindset. I love that. I think that's so true and so important. We have uh, one of my other companies is a ghostwriting company. We write books for people and we just did a book on relationships and we talk about how, you know, yeah, some, you know, people need space, but if you find yourself needing too much space within a relationship and not wanting to spend that much time with the other person, maybe it's not the right person for you. I feel the same about physical activity. Like, um, Sometimes we force ourselves to kind of do things that we're really not enjoying that much. And we're like, no, well, why can't I get to the gym more? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you find yourself not wanting to do whatever it is that much, 
Maybe it's not the right thing for you. Maybe you find something else. And there's so many cool ways to be active. Uh, I've been getting into break dancing lately. Man, it's such a good core workout. There's uh, like just such cool moves that, that take like so long to master. You, you, you know, it's something you can always be working on. I got a friend who's really into boxing and my brother has uh, just been getting into surfing this year. He's like um, <laughs> taking surfing lessons and um, traveling to like cool surf spots. And uh, he's in Sri Lanka right now is surfing, you know, and, and I think that we can help our teenagers find that. I just think something so important about the teenagers is like getting exposed to lots of different things. If we find our kids like not wanting to be that active, you know, maybe it's not about like pushing them and nagging them to like go outside or to do some certain activity. Maybe it's more about helping them to find something that does inspire them or that, that, that does light them up. You're absolutely right. And we've all went through these last few years of lockdowns and pandemic and all these things have shuttered us inside and maybe we get a little too comfortable in those spaces. So I, I would think getting back out into the world, getting fresh air, getting out to just do physical activity will feel liberating. We might need to be reminded of all the benefits that come with that when you get out into the world, explore it a little bit more. Something that you talk a lot about in the book is thinking big. You say that the ability to think big is a key element to extreme success. And it's about being able to dream and visualize what you can achieve on an audacious scale. When you choose to focus on easy goals, you subliminally lower your expectations, not to mention the eventual outcomes. Wow. Um, how can we inspire teenagers to think bigger, to raise their expectations for themselves, what they're capable of, to just question the limits that they're placing on themselves and on their dreams for their life? In training yourself to, to think big, I mean, you, you start with important questions. Like you ask yourself, if you could change one thing in the world, I mean, what would it be? Uh, if you had unlimited time or resources, what would you hope to accomplish? Yeah. Is there something uniquely important that I could contribute to the world? I mean, those are big questions with very open-ended type of answers. But I mean, each of us are going to answer those probably a little bit differently, right? So I would really think about for the teenager to really start to figure out, like, don't think from a limited mindset of this is where I grew up or this is all I have or this is the only thing I'm good at. Think about the things that get them excited. I mean, what are you passionate about? What do you feel like your unique gifts or talents are that you could utilize in a way that not only makes you happy, but helps other people? And I think parents have a huge responsibility in directing kids, not to the point of telling them they can or can't do something, but right. being realistic in the support. If, if you have a kid that is maybe not very athletic, but says they're going to win a gold medal in the Olympics, maybe that's a little overdoing it, but maybe right, encourage right. them more to, as we talked about, try, try a new sport or activity, see right. what you're good at, what your abilities are, like encourage and support their dreams, but also be realistic with them too, in a way that um, doesn't set them up for failure 
but uh, shows that uh, you're interested, you care, and you want to do your part to, to help them achieve those dreams. Yeah, and I also think that it undermines trust when we pump our kids up past what's realistic. It's not actually really helpful at all because sooner or later, they're going to realize that that's not true, that that's not really realistic, and you were just sort of saying that. And then it really undermines the trust between you. And you don't have to be mean, but also I just think trust is so important. And I think that, you know, you want the type of relationship with your teenager where they feel like you will always be open and honest with them. Yeah, this is another opportunity to, to do that. Uh, there's lots of great, I think, uh, tips on this podcast about how to do that in an effective way. But that could be a hard conversation to have where you have to say, I don't know if that's realistic. How do you think that you might approach something like that? You're 100% right. I mean, building trust with your teenager is paramount to having that successful relationship going forward. If you're like, as you mentioned, if you're, you're telling them things that just aren't true or they don't believe, yeah, you're not serving any value to them. Our role as parents is not to be our child's best friend we're to be the parent we're, no. we're the one that's supposed to share experience with them that we have maybe went through before or haven't went through but give our thoughts on things and sometimes those conversations are difficult right but I think if you are honest with your kid they realize that you're, you're not just going to spoon feed them the good that you have to be willing to share the unkind truths maybe that help them to learn or to grow in ways that are more resilient. And I think the result is you do get a better relationship with your child. If they know that they can come to you with things where you're not always going to just say things that make them feel better or... No, like tell them what you think they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think they want to hear your true thoughts on things. And the more you share true thoughts, as long as it's in a supportive, encouraging. I, I, no one wants the constant negativity or no. criticism. I mean, there's a way to temper those kind of things in a way that is useful without being cruel or just unkind, I would say. How do you think you can do that? Personally, with my own son, he can be pretty stubborn and difficult to get, get through two times, but he's also very smart. And I think he realizes that when you tell him something, it's for his benefit. So right. um, sometimes I think when you tell him things, you don't have to get them to agree with you right there on the spot. It's good to mm. give them some of that information and let them have the time to process it and let them have that open line of communication where they can come back to you. Maybe they've tried something or not listened to you and have it be one of those things where uh, see, I told you so. Instead, like, uh, well, let's try it this way, or like, just help them process things a as they go, instead of expecting there to be an immediate result. So often, we all need that. We need a little time to just think about things and process things, and approaching conversations or topics like this, kind of in phases, or instead of thinking about it as one interaction, we're going to tell them whatever it is. Like so often we go into, we saying, okay, you know, I got to sit down with my kid. I got to tell him this, 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 and that. But often it's a lot more effective to sort of break these things up and just give them a little piece 
let that sit for a little while and give them another little piece and then let that sit for a little while. And so that it becomes more of an ongoing conversation instead of kind of a one-time thing. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, the thing that also resonates with kids is um, we always want to think that we know it all or have done it all, but I mean, sharing our failures too, sharing the things that we've fallen short of, or maybe we regret or helping them learn from our mistakes um, is very valuable as well. I mean, we're not perfect, obviously, uh, as humans or parents or anything like that, but letting them know that we've been there too. and we, we, we didn't do it all right from the start. So I think that helps them to have better perspective that we can fail, right? Hey, we're here today with Anthony Lynch talking about how to help your teenager build an unstoppable mindset. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. One of the chapters of my book talks specifically about learning lessons from failure. And I, I think that's one of my favorite for me in the book in terms of what I did the research on. And I was looking at the life of Thomas Edison. and It talked about how in developing the light bulb, he failed over 10,000 times before he got it right. Wow. And his approach to it was, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I've just found 10,000 ways that didn't work yet. Uh, yeah. That's how we can approach things in life in that um, not every plan that we set for ourselves or thing we set to do, we're going to succeed like the first time, the second, maybe even the third time. I, right. We have to uh, continue to refine <laughs> ways to approach things. Never just to accept things for what they are and just realize that throughout history, people have time and time again, overcome what was thought to be conventional wisdom and that's how things change by people taking action and trying to make a difference and if we don't try to change things in this world everything would stay the same right so right. Uh, we need more people that are willing to approach things in different ways to create different viewpoints on what is possible and what is not possible Maybe your goal is to lose weight. So it starts with saying that I want to lose weight, but that's really open-ended. You, you try to make it a more focused goal of say, I want to lose 20 pounds in three months. So now you have a clear objective and a timetable how to get there. And then taking it a step further, when you're looking at the benefit of that, you have to ask yourself, how important is this goal to you? Is this something you need to do or something you only mildly want to do? If you're not really passionate about this goal, the likelihood is you're not going to push through when things get difficult and do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the weight loss is something that is meaningful in your life, then you start to build out specific plans of how you're going to make this happen in terms of you have to outline all the steps that are going to make that 10, that specific goal, the reality that you're looking to achieve. And maybe finally, the last step of it is writing out a mission statement, being as clear as possible is like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And this is what it's going to look like when I'm done. Each of those steps has different parts to play. But if you follow through that with any goal, it makes it a lot less daunting than it might seem when you set out on it. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. 
you get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.